One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you episode nine of season six. Wow. All right. Let's get a little real for a second. I absolutely thought that uh, when it was almost July, I guess I thought by the time we were to episode nine of this season, we would have some more concrete answers. We would have some sort of mental wraparound of what living in the new normal with COVID looked like. But it kind of feels like right now we are just going backwards um, and that things are getting worse before they get better. So this is just a public service announcement to, one, wear a fucking mask, but two, um, really appreciate your health right now and check on those around you. I know in the beginning of this whole thing, it really felt like we were all banded together and we were all taking care of each other. And I think we kind of lost that uh, in the frustration and the time and the loss that people experienced. So if this can be a little reminder Check on someone you love. Check on someone you don't love. Continue participating in the movement of Black Lives Matter. Continue making phone calls. You know, continue saving your money because the end of July is fast approaching. And so is that little bump on unemployment. And don't worry, I am also very concerned. So uh, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're following at One Broke Actress. I started sharing some of the journey I have started with my movie that's still doing really well at the box office. I hired my first PR agent. I am applying to new agents, which is not something that I thought I would be doing right now. But, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot or while your name's somewhere on IMDb, I guess. So make sure you guys are following along there because I'm sharing a lot of that as we go. So... But, you know, I think what we really need is someone with an incredibly positive attitude, someone who can put on quite a show, and someone who can bring us all up and lift us up in this time. Oh, my gosh. What a great segue. I'm just going to pat myself on the back for this one because this episode is especially for all my theater kids out there. Today's podcast features Sidani Smith. If you look up Sidani, you will not only find a shit ton of musical theater credits, you will find amazing Instagram content, you'll find her online courses, you'll also find one of the hardest working people I think I've had to talk to on this podcast. She not only started out in the world of music in general, she decided to go against the grain, change all of her studies last minute as she felt like it. She talks about seeing open doors and opportunities very in line with every actor I know. If you are searching for something inspiring, if you're searching for someone to follow who has a lot to offer you in terms of getting to know your heart, yourself, and finding your drive, this is the episode for you. So Donnie also shares how she got across the pond, as they say. That was a terrible British accent, Sam. Don't do that. How she became where she is now, which is acting all over Europe. She's currently in Germany. So we recorded this episode at 11 a.m. L.A. time and 8 p.m. in Germany. On this episode, we talk a lot about body image. Sidani shares with us the way she has learned to love herself. On stage commitments require a lot out of your body beyond just aesthetics and how she has learned to really, really focus on her own self-care. She has some very great morning tips for you that I think you guys are going to really like. We also talk about stress in the business. We talk about this time of corona and past this, what her day-to-day life is like and how she has turned her online profiles into a unique representation of herself. She has a lot of cool stuff coming up, guys. I am so excited to introduce you. Without further ado, please enjoy Sidani Smith. So we are off to the races, and this is Sidani Smith. Did I get that right? That's perfect. Thank you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Such an awesome name. So I was so excited to get to talk to you um, because I spoke with your PR rep first and she's very kind by the way. And, uh, and I, once I started to look you up and get to know you, I was so impressed with the fact that you started out uh, doing um, violin in Miami and now you are across the world (laughs) doing doing musical theater and and Broadway shows. I, I would love to hear how, how that even happened so the audience can get a sense of what kind of inspirational person you are. 
Oh, sure. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And I'd love to tell you my superhero origin story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't plan it. And I think that is the beauty of how um, everything, um, one thing led to another. I just, I call it following the open doors because I grew up doing um, simply music, living, you know, that orchestra life. I was an orchestra nerd and uh, I was blessed to go to performing arts schools my whole life since first grade all the way through. And so I was taking music theory and I got to take a little bit of dance and a little bit of um, visual art in um, first, second and third grade. And then in fourth grade, I was supposed to choose a path. I was supposed to pick my lane. In fourth um, grade? In fourth grade when I was so nine. Young. I needed to decide, I needed to decide, you know, which art was going to be mine. And um, I was obviously going to do drama because that's what I wanted to do. And I wrote down my little list and I, I can still like see the, the order that I wrote it down in and I took it home to be signed because that's what kids do. And um, mom said, no, my mom said, absolutely not. You cannot do drama because you're too shy and you're going to cry if you don't get a part, you know, and in music, oh. everybody gets a part. So you do music. And so <laughs> I have had to have, I have had to have a couple of come to Jesus moments with myself over that, but it worked out so beautifully because I ended up learning the violin and the viola and it kind of became my world. Um, in middle school, I became a composer and I found out I could write music and I started writing lots of string quartets. And by the time I got to high school, I was writing symphonies with full orchestra and, and full choir. And that was my path. Like I wanted to film score and do that kind of thing. And, uh, so I went off to college to study viola performance and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, audience, if you don't know what a viola is, it is, it looks a lot like a violin. It's slightly bigger and, um, it's the alto voice of the string family. So your violin would be your soprano, viola would be alto, cello would be tenor voice, and then your upright bass is the bass voice. So I was a violist, classical and, um, on my way to, uh, yeah, to study on a full ride at, to a really great school. And so, uh, <laughs> the best way I can describe how this crazy big switch happened, it was like a light went on and something in me just knew that I needed to try theater. And I was already a senior and I was doing well in my program. Um, and so I had to disappoint a lot of people. My, my professors were not into it. Uh, they thought I'd lost my mind. I had to relinquish my scholarship because I wanted to, I wanted to take theater classes and that meant my class load had to shift and I couldn't take as many I couldn't take lessons every week and I couldn't take um every single orchestra ensemble that was required to keep my scholarship and so I went to the dean's office and I really pushed my scholarship and um they told me that I would never be cast that I was throwing away my life um but sometimes you just know um and I I maintain that even if I was incorrect I mean I could have retraced my steps and, and, you know, finished my degree in another way, but I just knew. And so I just got into every acting workshop I could find. I spent my little money that I got, you know, from teaching violin lessons around town. And um, I tried to volunteer to run crew. I remember they were doing two gems of Verona in the theater school at my university and they used a lot of confetti. And I was like, this is my in. I'm going to get to sweep the stage, you know? And they told me, no, they had enough people to sweep the stage. And so that was my first, <laughs> my first like rejection in the theater. They wouldn't even let me sweep up. <laughs> but, um, funnily enough, in that very, that very university where I was told, you know, you're a string player, you've never sung or danced or acted before. What are you doing? You'll never be cast. Actually, my first paid job was from that very university, which I think is so, it's such a beautiful picture of what happens when you ignore the naysayers because, you know, it's not normal for students to be paid for performing at the, the university, but it really no. was. In the summer, I got called. Uh, someone called me in and asked me if I would be interested in playing a musical that involved fiddling. And I was like, yes, I can. I can fiddle while singing. I can fiddle while dancing. I can do all the things if you want me to, but I will only come in if you let me sing for you. <laughs> so I will not. Um, I will not take this contract unless you let me audition. Um, and I went in and I auditioned for the two leads that I was appropriate for and I didn't get them, but my role got bumped up. And so rather than being kind of in the pit, which is where I grew up, I grew up playing lots of musical theater from the pit. I got to sing and I had a name and that was my first paid gig. 
right there at that wow. university that told me I would never ever be cast. And I thought, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm onto something. <laughs> That's so, amazing. I'm curious how your, since your, your, you said your mom at the beginning when you were in fourth grade was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Did your parents support change and grow throughout your college then? My parents are a little bit hands off about, uh, the big decisions I make with my life. And I think that is a blessing of mine. Sometimes it makes me feel like they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I love you very much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I know that there is a level of trust in there too, because when I did say, you know, hey, mom, I'm going to change my major from of performance and all of these thousands of hours that I've spent practicing and, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of hours you've spent driving me around to different rehearsals. I want to be an actress. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and um, later on, when I had the opportunity to move to Germany, she said, okay. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. I feel like they have never needed to understand. But what I have learned um, from disappointing other people in my family, I really had, I had some relatives that were crying. I made everybody upset over Christmas dinner. Um, because uh, it can be important uh, especially in the black community, you know, to be doing something so prestigious. I was at an incredible university. I was a classical musician. I was top of my class. I was doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. And um, I did have an aunt or two who said, you know, don't let them beat your dreams out of you. But I just knew, I just knew that I had to try this. And I didn't know how it was going to work or if it was going to work. Um, but um, I have learned uh to not be afraid to disappoint people for the time being and also not to really be too irritated with those who don't believe in you because, you know, when you have a vision, you, the vision is through your eyes. <clears throat> the vision is through your eyes. And if they can't see through your eyes, how can they have your vision? You know, my, my guidance counselor who said I would never be cast, it made a lot of sense. It was very logical what he was telling me. He was trying to save my life and save some money and, you know, maybe some humiliation. Um, and, you know, that kind of person who's outside of your vision, they need proof. And I didn't make it my mission to prove anything to him, but I understood and I moved right along and I did the thing. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful for my parents sort of, um, kind of faith in me, not necessarily that they thought I was going <laughs> to uh, be successful in it, but in that they were just allowing me to, to live my life. I appreciate yeah. that a lot. I'm I'm also curious if you don't mind me asking how um like it tends to be from from the schools that I've been to and that I was a part of like I was a part of my theater department <clears throat> I went to school for theater as well um but not not musical theater um but uh was it an extremely diverse school because my school was almost completely white it was in the middle of Missouri and I think that was to their detriment in so many ways. So I was curious for you in your entire schooling in the artistic community, if you were, if you were around a lot of people who were black, who were Asian, who were like, did you get a different mix of cultures? I really did. I grew up in Miami and Miami is super diverse. Mm -hmm. It was in the nineties and it is even more so now. Um, And so I, you know, in my orchestras, you know, when I'm at home, home, I was surrounded by, um, you know, Jews and Gentiles and, and, and Latinos and, and, and black kids and lots of like Caribbean kids. My mom's from Jamaica. And so, um, but people from everywhere and not, um, you know, not just um, one country in Latin America, but all of them. And then right. um, it was really, um, it was very, very normal for me. Um, but then I would have moments where I, I did a lot of um, competing musically where I would, um, go to an all state orchestra and suddenly I was all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, I would walk into an audition and uh, realize that people were surprised that I play so well and, or speak so well and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those are things that you definitely do take in. You take in if you're, if you're seven, you take in if you're 17 um, and you just kind of get a feeling, ah, oh, this is how the world works. Gotcha. Good to know. Um, it was, to me, it didn't feel oppressive, but it felt 
like there were more eyes on me, uh, whether that was positive or negative. There were more yeah. eyes on me for sure. Yeah, I was curious if you felt like you had to work harder in to, you know, to because to, to me, when someone's like, oh, she can't, like, I don't foresee her doing this. I'm like, oh, watch. <laughs> <laughs> I I get I get nervous with that. I really am. Like my mom said, you know, I'm too shy for that. No, I'm not shy anymore, but I'm still an introvert. And so that, um, that kind of motivation kind of causes me to shrink. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel expanded personally when I'm just focused on my own goal. I like to say that I love to win, but I hate to compete. And it's a competitive market and I want the thing. Like I always want the thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, li- I literally cannot look left or right because that is so, I, I, I would much rather give a present, but she's so good and this would really change her life. And so then I start to, I start to shrink. I focus on the thing. You mentioned being an introvert, which I think is really interesting because that's not something that's usually associated with anybody in our business. How is that for you, especially as an adult functioning in this business, you know, because there's an expectation that you are, especially as a musical theater person, to be like really big all the time. It is exhausting. I say (laughs) that I've made my entire living portraying extroverts and I need a nap. It is really tiring. Um, But it is, I want to encourage all my introverts out there that it isn't asset you know I, I did grow up uh hearing from relatives and colleagues that my my personality wasn't enough that it isn't big enough and they didn't even think and they had no idea I was going to perform one day they just thought that I needed to just take up a little bit more space and I'll give them I'll give them this I did need to learn to take up more space but my personality is perfect you know, I was built this way and, um, I am a natural listener, which is to me half my job, mm-hmm. you know, to listen and authentically respond. I can't not, I feel like I can't not because I'm built that way. Like I want to go deep immediately. Uh, when I meet somebody, I really don't want to know about your sweater or the weather. I want to know about your childhood. And I think that really, <laughs> dude, I do the same thing. <laughs> really, it scares people, but it serves me well in the job that I do. I like to go deep. And a lot of these <clears throat> things that my beautiful, beautiful colleagues that are extroverts, um, you know, excel at, it's not that I can't do it. It's that I've got to go recharge. I got to plug in if I'm going to do it again, you know? So whereas I will give you, I feel the same energy on a stage. I won't give you the same energy at the stage door because it's just not me. Um, you're going to feel my heart. I love you, but I don't have any more show in me after 1130. <laughs> All done. <laughs> have you had to, uh, has that changed how you like structure your days when you have something like an audition or a show or you do have to be like really cognizant of your personal energy? I do. Um, I am very warm, but I have learned to um, honor my own boundaries, especially at an audition because their auditions have a feeling of a reunion too, you know, especially when you've been in the business this long. I have been working Germany, Austria, Switzerland for 11 years now. And, um, congratulations. When you come, thank you. Um, when you come back to a certain roles, especially roles that are, you know, for people of color, you're getting back in the room with people that you love, you know, that you haven't seen since we did blah, 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 mm-hmm. four years ago in Vienna, right? Um, but as much as I love them, I'm going to call them on Facebook messenger later. I cannot like, cause I only have a certain amount of juice in this can and I, I gotta, I gotta drink it in the room where, <laughs> where, where they, you know, where they make the decisions. Um, and so I definitely have had to, um, do the uncomfortable thing and set my boundaries. There, there've been people who've been like, Oh, I saw, um, I saw the the choreography because I went to see the show in London, you know, before it came to Germany because it, it's always the same director isn't always the same. It's the same show. It's just being yeah. translated and transplanted. Um, and that's something that I don't like to do. Like, I don't like to read reviews. I don't like to see the choreography ahead of time. I just want to learn it in the room. And I've had to uh, really, at auditions, put my foot down and tell people, no, I really am serious. I need you to back up. I love you very much, but can you back up? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, waiting um, rooms are like a whole thing, man, with like yeah. the amount of 
it's everyone has their own style and everyone's like bringing that style to the room. And it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I, I have friends that need to chat. Like they need to get out their nervous energy by talking. Um, but there's a way for them to do that. You know, I don't have to sacrifice uh, what I need uh, for them to get what they need because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a really, it's a really cool community. Um, you know, I'm happy for, I'm happy for the winner. Um, and I'm happy if it's me. Uh, but I, I just want to, I want to do my best because that's what's in my hands. You know, I really can't make them want me. I can decide to want me myself, you know, and present right. <laughs> the most, the most centered, um, version of myself that believes in me, that believes in this actress. Um, and so I just set myself up to deliver excellently and then I go home and then take a nap (laughs) Mm -hmm. and take a nap um can you kind of talk us through how you get to be a traveling European member of Broadway shows how does this even happen (laughs) it's so wild I can tell you how it happened for me um uh I was in grad school because you know I did finish my degree I finished on time thank you god um I just switched from being a performance major in viola to being a music major just generally so I could take all of the acting classes right so um I still hadn't studied theater properly and I got it in my head that the only way to become proficient at a thing was to get a degree so I think that's kind of indoctrinated in us um but it's not true Spoiler alert, it's not true. And I have a lot of friends who are also thinking the same thing in grad school right now. <laughs> nothing against getting, there's nothing against getting a degree. Um, I have one. I think they're, you know, part of the American dream. I think that they're valuable and there are stepping stones, but there are so many ways to become proficient at things. And if we get into the idea that the only way to be an expert is to, you know, get an MBA, we would never start any of the things. You wouldn't have a podcast because I don't know what certificate program there is in podcasting. You would kind of feel like you had to wait a year and apply and hopefully get into the school of your choice to do the things that are on your heart to do. And that, that's not the vision. So um, I did, I worked for a little bit uh, and I was working at a grad school that had um, a, a great acting program. And so I was, you know, auditioning and being part of what they did and learning the most I could. What but school was this, by I, the way? Oh, I was in Virginia. I was in okay. Regent University. I didn't attend. I, I worked at the university, and so I could sometimes kind of audition for things. Um, but the school that I did decide to go to was University of Central Florida, okay. and I was in their MFA musical theater program. And um, I was there for two semesters, um, and then a crazy thing happened. It was the next golden open door. Um, there was an audition. Uh, I didn't even know. I just went to my regular, you know, acting two class and, uh, a lady was there doing a workshop, a belting workshop, vocal technique. And, um, we all sang for her and she offered me a spot at a three week workshop in the Alps. And, um, long story short, even though I couldn't afford it and didn't have time, I said yes, because it just it was just an open door, an incredible open door. Um, and uh, when I decided to go, the money came in. It was really incredible. So I flew to the south of Germany, had never been to Europe before. And um, part of the three-week workshop was a weekend up in Hamburg um, at Stage Entertainment, which is the biggest producer of musical theater in Europe. So if you're wow. if you're looking at um, European theater, stage entertainment, you want to write them down. Um, they're the big dogs. And so it was a mock audition because this was an educational program. But I was hoping, I mean, I got to the Hamburg Harbor and across the water, there is the island that they built for the theater for Lion King. And, you know, not like any old, like the Lion King. It was this, it's the same exact show, except. They sing in German and Zulu, of course, because it's the Lion King. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the same font. It just says the Königs der Löwen instead of <laughs> the Lion King. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is my chance. Maybe I can get a job. Like, I know this is like a mock audition, but I'm going to go in there. I'm going to sing Shadowland. I'm going to give them all the, the African lion I can. And um, they didn't offer me a job that day, but they offered me a space in their conservatory. So this production company had a school and I was right in the middle of grad school, you know, 
<laughs> it's like, ah, but they had one spot for a woman, couldn't be older than 25. I had just turned 25 two weeks before and school was starting in three weeks and I still had two weeks left to go of this, this, you know, Alps workshop, um, open door. Of course I took it. So I went home, I sold everything I owned and I moved to Germany and I started school in German. I love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks later. Um, Wait, did you already so, speak German? I don't think I asked no. you. Okay. No, I didn't, not a word. Um, and, <laughs> that's even crazier. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but they're crazy. <laughs> like it's, it's not always linear or logical. It's usually not linear and it's almost never logical. The things that you, you know, here's the thing, friends, we're such brave people. Anybody who believes that they can make make believe for a living is super brave. So don't listen to this story and think I could never do it. Yeah, you could. You already have an aversion. You already have, like, you know, we want, we, we, we create reality out of things that don't actually exist and people pay us for that. Like, we are super brave. You know, and we, we walk around and tell other people that that's our profession. And I'm not making, I'm not trying to belittle what we do. I think it's amazing what we do. I think that we're heroes. Um, because, I have read over and over that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. So, you know, we, we literally, um, we're, we're pretty darn brave. Anyway, so I started school in Hamburg without knowing a word of German, uh, three weeks later. And, uh, in the first two semesters of school, I learned the language. It was really important for me to learn without an accent and be fluent and so I took all my classes except for my voice lessons my my voice teacher was American and she did spare me you know that one hour of of, you know translating everything in my head all the time um yeah I I took school in German and I I wiped out that American accent and then I got my first contract um yeah right now they have a stage portal it's on the stage app Uh, i'll send you the link sam and then you can put it in the show notes and that's where they post their auditions and you can apply online system's a little bit different Um, there are very few open calls it's you apply specifically for a role um so if they're writing out wicked you would say um i'm very interested in auditioning for the role of alphaba um i'd be very happy to get an um an appointment and then wait to hear back and then you go, um, which is very, it's helpful because unlike Broadway, we're not dealing with a street. We're dealing with a consonant. And so the first round could be in Zurich. The next round could be in Hamburg, maybe Vienna. Like it's a lot of flying back and forth. And so it's great to know if they're interested in you <laughs> um, by sending, sending your things. Because if you get there and they're like, we're only seeing alphabets that are under five, four, then I've wasted my time. And airfare. Yeah, yeah. And my euros. (laughs) Yeah. This, so once this started to be, have, how long have you been there now? How long have you been living overseas? So you've, that's right. You said 11 years. Mm -hmm. In 11 years, have you ever once been like, actually, I think I'd like to go do this in English at home. (laughs) Is it hard? Yeah, I have, I have done it twice. And when I look back for me, it was burnout. Actually, Mm. I, I actually needed to take a break and not, and not like stop altogether. And, um, the first time I did come home, well, um, not directly. I I was in Southern California. I lived in Anaheim for two periods of six months. Um, and that was really fun. And I was all full time on YouTube and, uh, learned a whole lot about social media and, you know, how, how to be myself, but still, um, grow on social media, you know, kind of do all the right things, but also be authentically me. (laughs) I thought you have Um, a workshop on that online as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm teaching one tomorrow on Instagram actually. Um, so it was kind of a, yeah, it was, it was a departure that was super useful because it helped me accidentally build a brand. Um, because I just wanted to make really good music and I tried to find out how to get more and more people to see good music. Um, and that's how I built my brand online. Um, and I did step away from performing in German 
um, for those two periods of six months. And, and recently, again, I got really, I was really exhausted and I thought, is it that I want to come home? Um, but I caught it this time and realized I just needed a break. And funnily enough, um, I decided to take that break. I canceled a lot of things that I had, um, planned and booked. Um, and actually this is not funny at all, but then Corona hit you know? Mm -hmm. And then I, I had a break for real, for real. And, um, so I am actually using it to, um, beef up my online courses that I'm teaching. I am working on a second one right now. The first one's on stage fright and the second one is on body image. And I'm super excited about that. It's got a lot to say. Um, and, um, because of the mindset work I've been doing in between, especially in the moments when I've taken my breaks, um, I just have a lot to share and I have a lot of tools that have helped me, um, survive success and survive failure, um, in this business because I feel like success and failure are, are the same kind of hard, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you go to school or if you learn on your feet or however, you learn to be proficient, proficient in your craft. There's not always time to learn how to take care of you while being really excellent. Um, not in school. There's just really, there's just no time. You know, yeah. I feel I, like we're also kind of taught that if you don't like keep striking while the iron is still hot, that you're never actually working hard enough. Right. Yep. And I think this working hard enough is a myth. I think that actually some of the gratitude that um, we've been taught is uh, not conducive to self-love. Sometimes we are, we learn to just take it and just leave everything on the floor. I don't think you have to leave everything to be brilliant because, you know, how many times can you leave everything before you have nothing? We're trying to do this long term. Right. You know, and this, yeah, this stuff comes from our heart. And so if we beat ourselves up to do it well, how long can we do it? I feel like there's a unique, um, excuse me, I feel like there's something unique about, about musical theater as well, about musicals in general, that you are often in like filming in, in, on TV and movies and stuff. Some days you'll maybe have 10 lines. (laughs) <laughs> that's not the case with what you're working on. So how it's just such a uniquely intense situation. How, what are your like self-care things that you have to do? Like take me through like a day, a non-coronavirus day um, non- of work mm-hmm. for you. Um, let's see. Oh, it's been a, it's been a minute. Um, I typically go to bed at two and wake up at 10. Um, to make sure I get a nice, you know, seven practical hours because I, I, I still haven't mastered falling asleep super quickly. <laughs> it's on my <laughs> list. Um, <clears throat> but, um, I try to make the beginning of the day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I learned, uh, when I was in a rep theater and so I was, um, basically I belonged to a specific house and I played all of their musicals for the season. That was a different sleeping schedule because we'd have rehearsal starting at 10. Um, and I found myself because I lived near the theater getting up at nine, showering, you know, warming up and getting there. And I don't do that anymore because it felt like I was living my life for that theater. I was yeah. pledging allegiance to the theater and I was like, what if I got up for me? What if I got up and, um, stepped outside and breathed the air that wasn't in my apartment, you know, or read something that I wanted to. And I, I do have perfectionist tendencies. And so what I have learned with my morning routine is that I don't have to do it perfectly. I don't have to do all five super important things that, you know, Gandhi and Mother Teresa did every day to make them awesome. I have a menu of things that make me feel good. And I pick some of them. And that what that's what works for me. Um, so today I journaled and, you know, I used to kind of berate myself for not journaling every day. Um, but I found that I don't have to. Today I journaled and it really, really did me good. Um, and I, <laughs> one of the, I don't I probably read this on Instagram somewhere, but it means so much to me. The idea of drinking your coffee with two hands, like as in not being on your phone. That just, like, hit me really hard. (laughs) Yeah. 
isn't it good? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I'm not talking to the people. I'm not consuming what the people have said or what the government has said or what the protest has said or what my family has said. Not that it's unimportant, but it's unimportant for me first thing in the morning because I pick me first thing in the morning. Um, and so I, I know it's not possible for everyone every day. Some people have kids, some people have a schedule that is just too crazy and they have maybe like, um, a barista shift at, at six, you know, uh, so maybe you can't get up two or three hours earlier. You wouldn't be sleeping at night, but do something that makes it so that you're getting up for you in the morning. That is super important. I take stock of how I'm feeling physically because, um, depending on the show, it's really, it's really hard on your body. You know, for a show like, um, Tina Turner is a show that's running in, in several countries at once right now. Well, you know, it's Corona time, um, as we're recording this, but it's, uh, it would have been running on Broadway on the West End in Hamburg and in um, Utrecht in Holland. And it is brutal. It is a really, really hard show. And so um, people singing tons of Tina Turner songs, or in my case, I did uh, The Bodyguard for three years. And so mm-hmm. singing 14, 14 Whitney Houston songs live every night and dancing and flying and doing all of the things, you got to take stock and see how you're doing because you're not superhuman. Yeah. No matter how many people write that you are or, you know, or you want to prove that you are. Um, and so I take stock. How is my voice doing? Where do I need to invest more? I, you know, if, if I need um, to invest in, um, you know, there's physical therapy at, at the theaters, thankfully. But if I need more, I've got to figure out how to negotiate it or pay for it myself um, you know, same thing with my voice or with, you know, anything going on with me. Um, and, uh, once again, I'm back to boundaries. You gotta, you gotta, and this was hard for me. You gotta know how to say no and let go of how people react to it. Mm, yeah. Did that because close off a lot of, uh, like social friendship time and stuff for you, setting your boundaries and keeping your health at like maximum level? Um, yes and no. Uh, to me, it just sorted out the friendships that, that I really, really wanted to have. Mm. Um, and that is so okay with me. And I, I, I sometimes cringe at the, you know, I'd rather have four quarters and a hundred pennies quote, because I don't want to call anybody a penny, but sometimes, (laughs) sometimes there are, there are friendships that are just mutually beneficial. There, there are friendships that, uh, when you leave, you feel the same or better than when you went into the conversation. And there are other ones that, you know, you are actually just saying no to yourself by saying yes to them. Um, and um, because I have this need to be like sweet and, and lovely and likable, I had to remind myself, I am those things. I am those things. Even if I say I will not be coming with, or I will not be able to, I am that. I don't have to prove that to anybody anymore, you know, Um, and I have to choose me. I have Mm. to choose me. Mm. I love that. I think those are good um, things for everyone to do (laughs) all around. Um, You mentioned that your next online workshop is going to be about body image. Um, Can we talk a little bit about that? I would love to. Um, I am 70 pounds down from my highest weight. Um, and so it's something that I thought a lot about. I grew up, um, pretty overweight, which didn't, you know, didn't affect, um, my future necessarily because I was a violinist, you know, I spent a lot of time in a practice room, probably six hours a day. And, you know, that is pretty stationary. Yes. I, you know, I did have my arms kind of, um, (laughs) I probably had some upper body strain that I didn't realize. Um, but I wasn't very active. I wasn't very into it. I, I tended to stick to things that I was great at naturally and I didn't feel very athletic and so didn't move a lot. Um, and, um, when I started to do theater, I started to see my body change, which was an aha moment for myself because for me, because I felt like, um, hmm, before I believed that, you know, there's, 
I just, you know, you are how you are and there's nothing you can do to uh, change it. And so that was important for me to realize. But more important than that was that I came into a beautiful space where I just liked me. And that is, for me, the best point of either change or staying exactly where you are happily. Um, one of the stories that I often tell, um, <laughs> I'm glad that I've, I've gotten to the point where I can just be a little bit more honest. I used to be very worried about being professional, but now I'm just telling the truth. So I was at a, um, a fitting, prominent show, uh, fitting my costumes for the lead. It takes a long time. You're standing in a room naked with a few people for hours in high heels. And I was not the only person who played this role. Um, my colleagues that also played it were much more magazine fit than I was. I was probably 40 pounds heavier than the heaviest girl there. And, um, but I, I had the job, you know, they, they gave it to me, you know, I don't get, I don't pick me, they pick me. So I was there trying on the things and, you know, it's vulnerable, you're naked. And, um, we got to a point where, um, I had noticed kind of snide comments about costumes that they would have to change. You know, I couldn't wear the opening crop top. They didn't want me to wear that. And they had to move the corset and all of those things. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. And we got to the point where they said, okay, Sid, that, that opening skirt is really short. Do you want, do you want some tights for that? And I was like, oh yeah, please. Thank you. <laughs> I love some tights. <laughs> and um, the next question came, okay, so what size? And from across the room, the costumer laughs and goes, large. And I was like, extra large. (laughs) And it was the best moment of my career because I felt like I had spent, I had done the work on my mindset to know that I just liked me and it was enough. And yes, please get me my extra large tights so that I don't feel like, you know, I'm showing everybody all my stuff in this show. Right. Uh, and from there, I actually did see that um, my my desires kind of changed. And, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to change for anybody, but I wanted to try and see if I could be consistent because I'd never been really consistent in the gym. And I was like, look at all this. I, mean, I, bet, you, I bet you I could get strong. I bet you I could. Like, I've seen that my body changes when I do other things. So I bet you I can get super duper strong. And I see how that makes my job easier. I see how that makes it easier for me to sing while, like, running up these stairs and all the things they're asking me to do. And it was fun for me. And I didn't yo-yo because I wasn't running away from some version of myself that I hated or found ugly. I love that girl. That girl who was, like, extra large, she's my hero. And so I don't feel like... You know, if I visit her again, I am worth less, worth, you know, worth less than now, for example. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're going to change. We're all, we're grownups and we're, we're, you know, age happens and, and life happens. Corona happens. Our bodies <laughs> change. And that's okay. Um, but uh, that for me was the biggest, biggest turning point when I realized, oh my gosh, I like myself just like this. And so that helps me know that I can like myself in any version. I in any version. I'm obsessed with this story. I've had very <laughs> similar circumstance. I'm like a solid medium in a world of extra smalls and like it's it's exhausting. It's it takes a lot of toll when even no one else is talking about it because you know that people are thinking about it and yeah. then you're thinking about it and you're not sure if they are so are if it's just your thoughts. What was it was it just long-term work that made you do the self-work to like yourself regardless of your size, regardless of um, your, uh, like, you know, your bookings, your, I think the actors' lives a lot of times get caught up in like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll love myself when I, I book a show, when I, you know, it all gets The thing done. is, yeah, you, I'm going to tell you ahead of time you won't. Like, if you're dissatisfied, um, it's getting a thing, winning a thing, and it's not going to make you feel better. And funnily enough, um, one of my colleagues, the one who really belongs on the cover of, of some like fitness champion magazine, she came to see me in my first show because she's a doll. And she was like, huh, 
she made a little comment and said, that's what the costume is supposed to look like. And I was like, wait, 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 wait what? What did you say? She, she told me that they had been giving her hell for being so short, for her legs being so short. And I was like, what in the 12 pack? Are you serious? It's really, you can't. It, you, you you just can't you, win. <laughs> you gotta like you. You gotta like you because, because you know it. It could be that I, you know, I could have seen her and thought, okay, this is enough. I need to work until I look like this girl. Um, whereas she's like, well, what can I do to get taller? Hmm. Like, seriously, you know, it really. You you got to like you. So I I would say um that. The inner work is, it can be tedious, but it's the only thing that's going to, that's going to change the, how you see yourself. Um, and, uh, so those mornings for yourself, they totally add up. Um, and so that's what I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be breaking down in the course, you know, the things that I did and the things that, um, people that I really respect have done to help them build that mindset so that, um, so that you just like you, you just like you and really see your worth in this beautiful temple that carries you around and carries your art and your heart everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am excited to delve into um, body image when it comes into um, hair texture and skin tone mm-hmm. and other things, you know, and otherness that sometimes is thrust upon you. You know, um, it's a really important and exciting topic to be honest about and I think that as um, professional artists we're allowed to be more honest than we will realize Mm, that's amazing are you uh when when are you starting that I want to make sure everyone knows Uh, I'm hoping to have it up in the next three weeks Okay, perfect. Perfect. Because this will probably go out right about then. <laughs> Yay! I think that's awesome. I think it's especially there is just this uh, right now because there aren't places to go audition or at least not, you know, nothing of, of, of multiple occurrences. Um, yeah. It feels like things can feel stagnant, which I think actors tend to, you wrote a great article I read about, um, you know, during Corona time trying to feel productive all the time and how it's mm-hmm. a little, not the greatest idea. Um, and, uh, and I think we're all trying to like, Oh, you know, as soon as, it's like we think there's a switch that we're going to flip on. It's like, okay, no longer Corona time and everyone gets to go back to work and hope you better be in the best shape of your life and in the best place in your life and this and that. And I think working on your mindset right now is just, it's just a way to create good habits once we get back into the swing of whatever things look like when we're Mm -hmm. done. I Mm. think you're absolutely right. Um, I think, um, you know, I want to be careful with how I word this because um, it's a pandemic. People are sick. It is a big, big deal. Um, and those of us who are blessed enough to be healthy mm-hmm. um, don't have to take on any guilt for being healthy, don't have to take on any guilt for, like, being at a low from, you know, kind of having the feet knocked on, out from under us. Um, but we can work on our mindset. We can do those things. Um, and I just want to, listener, relieve you of any guilt you have for not having done enough. We This is... You know, I grew up in a time where I thought, awesome, there's no major wars in my country, you know, no Great Depression, none of these things that I read about in history. Our stuff is for real. That, Like, that, you know, if you look outside your window and turn, like, this is our wartime. Like, the, these yeah. are, these are, this is what's going to be in the history books about living in this time. This is serious, yo. So you don't need to feel like, you know, I got nothing done. And, you know, and I see all of my colleagues who are writing books and, and, you know, teaching their children four languages. like you, it's okay. What you've gotten done so far is okay. And so, um, if you want to decide today that you're going to take a little step and journal tomorrow, do that, hold yourself to it and do that. If it doesn't work, uh, do it in the afternoon. You know, don't don't put it off to the next day. That's what <laughs> do it in the afternoon. <laughs> I love what um, you said about the menu of things because I do. I get the same way. Like I'm, I get the movie perfectionist, and I think, okay, well, I'm gonna wake up and journal with my hot lemon water, and then I'm gonna have coffee and meditate, and then I'm gonna work out, and then and if I don't do all those things in like a specific order, I'm like, well, it didn't work. 
And you're disappointed in yourself. Um, yeah. If you could switch that to following your bliss, that'll help actually um, help you to continue the day following your bliss and give you like wide open eyes to see the open doors. Um, because the crazy, crazy things that I've done have been following my bliss. And I, I know that it was risky, um, but I feel like following the things that light your soul on fire, um, it's a it's a really cool trail to follow. Um, so in the morning, listener, when you're doing, when you're picking out your menu, don't feel like because some guru or, or some hero of yours always drinks a you know a green smoothie by eight o'clock in the morning if you want ginger tea drink ginger tea like do do the thing that's aligned do the thing that you know that resonates with you that's your path I'm really careful when people ask me about uh, like how to you know how did I get to a career in Europe because that path actually doesn't exist anymore the conservatory I went to closed not there anymore. But what it should do is spark inside of you the idea that your path can be unconventional and you can really just listen to you and follow your open doors and get there, get where you're going. Mm. Okay. That's so good. I don't even want to ask any more questions. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a beautiful ending. Oh my God. Um, Where can you direct people to, um, to read your articles, to check out your upcoming workshops? Where do you want to tell everyone to check out? Guys, I live on Instagram. That's where I am. That's where you have a beautiful Instagram, by the way. So I'm absolutely going to check out your Instagram course. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'll be live. Um, And by the time this airs, I'm sure I'll have another one coming up or it'll be um, archived. Um, But I love Instagram. I'm a very visual human. And so that's my favorite social media platform. But I also have a website. It's uh, sedana.live. And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. But my name is spelled S-I-D-O-N-I-E, and um, I'm the one with the biggest hair. If you're scrolling through and you see lots of people with my name, I'll have the biggest hair. The best hair. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you so much for taking your evening in Germany to talk with me in L.A. in the morning. This has been so cool. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. So, Donnie, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Guys, you have to follow her. She has so much good content on her Instagram, too. You just got to check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, if you made it this far, I bet you found at least one thing interesting in this podcast. If so, I sure hope that you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you click rate and review and write like mm, a couple sentences about how much you enjoyed this podcast and then maybe take a photo and test it up on your Instagram and tag me at Sam Valentine at One Broke Actress. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, this podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine, with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative and Helena Santos. Our theme song is by the glorious Maggie Zabo, and I will talk to you guys next week.